0: How's it going, everybody? This is Episode 9. Alabama knocks off Tennessee 19-14 with a last-minute touchdown and clutch fumble. We'll get all into that game, talk about a little bit of what needs to be done during the bye week, move around the NCAA, get some hot takes in, and also do a sound off at the end, a new little segment we're going to try out. Thank you so much for listening. Let's get right down to it. This is Episode 9 of Pat's Interference.
1: Well, what's up, everyone? Third Saturday in October, come and gone Alabama with the win against Tennessee. I'm Patrick Brickman.
0: And I'm Patrick Norwood. How's it going, everybody?
1: You're listening to Pat's Interference, Episode 9. We've got a bye week this week. We're sitting here on October 26th, and man, what a great game we saw this weekend. Some good, some bad. There's a lot going on, everyone.
0: Great game. Lots going on.
1: A little too close for comfort, in my opinion, but rivalry
0: games in college football... Uh, are unpredictable as we've seen this season in college football as we've seen in every season in college football everybody thank you so much for listening uh before we get into it we're gonna sort of go ahead and just plug ourselves a little bit you can find us on facebook at pats interference again that's p-a-t-s interference uh you can find us on twitter at pi underscore podcast you can go to our website at patsinterference.com and hey guess what patrick We're on iTunes. We are on (laughs) iTunes, everyone. Uh, iTunes has been a bit of a booger uh, these past few weeks. If you've noticed that we've had some repeat episodes on there, we're sorry. We're trying to get that worked out. Uh, And we'll keep you up to date on that. Um, But there's always other ways to find it. Uh, Podomatic, uh, our Podomatic page uh, that's on our website. You can find that on our our Facebook. You can find it on our website. There's tons of ways to listen. So don't worry. Don't worry. If it's not on iTunes, you can find some other way. But anyway... Tennessee game, absolutely. Let's get into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what impressed you most about the Tennessee game?
1: Well, it was a a long week for the Alabama football team. Um, With the news that came out, I think it was Tuesday morning, with with, uh, their former teammate, Alty Tempenny, passing away with the car wreck after he got in trouble once again at Nichols College. And so I think that weighed a lot more heavily on the team than CBS was broadcasting. They mentioned it one or two times Uh, But that is something that's tough, because he came in with that recruiting class that Henry came in, a lot of our leaders, uh, the guys like Rashawn Evans played with him, Um, a lot of our young guns knew him, and knew him well, and they all liked him, and you saw on social media when they were reaching out and and, and talking about the impact that he made for them, and how upset they were about it, I mean, Alabama brought in grief counselors, then they had to turn around and play a rivalry game off a team coming off a bye week, I know it wasn't a pretty game. But it, once it got to kind of a point where I saw we were sluggish, I just said, hey, let's escape with a win. I don't care how it is, and I'll be happy. And they did that, so I was surprised that they were able to play a winning football game despite what happened. I mean, I know Tenpenny affected everyone, especially you. What, what did you think about when it happened?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I, it's incredibly sad. I, I know we put a lot on uh, on college football, you and I both. Yeah. Um, i just I, I can't imagine i mean 21 years old uh patrick i'm 22 you know and I, I think about all my friends that are around that age you know who we were around that age and I, I can't imagine losing someone who is an ex-roommate of mine uh my roommates from college you know them both very well um i, I can't imagine losing either of them or you you know i i mean just any of my friends from college uh i And, you know, that's selfish of me to think of myself first, but my next thought was, you know, uh, not only Derrick Henry, but Tennessee running back Alvin Kamara was a part of that class too. Don't forget. um, The three of them were roommates. Uh, So I know it was tough. I'm I'm sure that Derrick Henry and Alvin Kamara really had a heart-to-heart before the game um, at some point, I would imagine. Uh, You know, it's just – that's just – that's incredibly sad news. Altie Tenpenny was a very, very popular guy, as you mentioned. Uh, it was a shame to see him leave Alabama. I know he, you know, kind of got in trouble here and there with all three programs. He was at UNLV, Alabama and Nichols state. Uh, I wish the best for his family. I I was terribly saddened by the news because, uh, you know, that's, that's never an answer. Um, you know, there's, there's always somebody you can call or talk to, even if you don't think so. Uh, it was, it was, I
1: think it was a wake up call to a lot of people because for us, removed on the outside and just sing instances as they come at a computer screen it was easy and i thought the same thing when i saw that he got in trouble at nickel state was probably going to get kicked off the team Nichols college i think that's what it's called yeah it's easy yeah. to go oh what an idiot oh he's ruining another chance oh wasted talent and then yeah. you forget that the dudes are 19 20 years old have thoughts feelings emotions and then you know you get wrapped up in just treating them like they're Grown men when they're not, and even grown men have those kind of thoughts and feelings too. So yeah, I, I I will admit my first thought when I saw that he got in trouble again was what a waste of talent. Uh you know what what yeah. an idiot can't stay out of trouble, and I feel bad about it. But
0: yeah, well I mean that's you know I one more thing that I will say on this before we move on. Um, and I do kind of want to do a five second moment of silence, even if it is on a podcast. I just feel like that's the respectful thing to do. Um, but uh. I read an article today that was uh, from someone interviewed Tenpenny's uh, stepfather and said that the last time that they talked, um, his mom had said that he had sent her a text asking for help. He just wanted somebody to talk to and just wanted some help. Uh, And then his dad sent him a text as soon as he had found out the news that he had gotten in trouble again. And he sent him a text that said something along the lines of, um, you know, we got to figure something out, whether it's you just not playing football and just working on school or, you know, coming home for a little bit or something. And I'm paraphrasing here, but we've just got to figure something out because this isn't working. And uh, he said he knew something was wrong because Alti responded immediately and said, where can I meet you? Um, and that's the last time you ever heard from. Him. Uh, it's extremely hard. Um, so we're going to do like a five second moment of silence because that's just that's tough news, and then we're going to move on. So, rest in peace, Alti 10 Penny. We're going to start five seconds of silence now. All right. Thanks, everybody. Sorry about that. Um,
1: what Moving impre- on from that. Moving yeah, on from that sad What impressed news.
0: me and what surprised me most, uh, what impressed me, man? Adam freaking Griffin. How about him? <laughs> Coming up. I mean, Patrick, you know. We joke about him all year, and I know that we can take this in a negative context and say, oh, well, we got really to close now. to the goal line without scoring, but, you know, hey, the kid pulled through, uh, and you know, I was thinking about it the other day, the past few weeks, he's been he's been uh, pretty darn spiffy. 10 uh, of his last 12. Around. Yeah, yeah, 10 of his last 12, um, and booting it through the end zone on kickoffs is what I'm most happy about. Now, I know that Tennessee did have a couple big returns uh, last week, but... You know, I was I was really, really impressed with this kickoff. That's a very dangerous special teams uh, squad over there uh, in Knoxville. Um, And, you know, kicking the ball through the end zone can really just sort of I mean, it takes away another potential momentum swing. Uh, You know, another thing that surprised me was the team answering to adversity. I don't think the teams really had to do that very much this season. Uh, You could argue you could make an argument that they had to do it in the Ole Miss game. In my opinion, that game was such a blowout when Alabama started coming back that it was more of just a relaxed, okay, we've lost, let's just go out and sort of play our game sort of thing more than it was a, hey, uh, you know, this is crunch time, it's gut check time, let's go do this, like it was on Saturday. So I really think uh, that I was surprised and impressed by uh, Jake Coker and the rest of the offense's ability to answer to adversity, Ardarius Darius Stewart, or the entire receiving core that game came through in the clutch when they needed to, and that was something I really enjoyed seeing. And I can't wait to see where this receiving core goes.
1: Yeah, um, I like that. It, I like that it's finally clicking now. Uh, but it wasn't. I don't know. I I I think we're gonna move into our biggest disappointments. I do think that there was. I don't know. I've looked at that. I've looked at it pretty negatively. This game. Um, there was. I think there's a lot more bad than good, other than the fact that we escaped with a victory. You know. thank yeah. heavens. Uh, yeah. I feel like there were three main things going back and watching it that I think killed us. Uh, the first one, you're going to talk about in a minute, but really that pass blocking. Coco yeah. was running for his life the whole game. I'm going to leave that yep. one to you. Uh, okay. There were at least three dropped interceptions in this game. Things that were mm-hmm. being you know, intercepted against Texas A&M were dropping at home all of a sudden. Uh, Ruben Foster had one that would have been pretty tough, but it still hit him in both hands. He could have had it. I want to say Ronnie Harrison dropped one, and then Minka had one hit him right in the chest. So. Yeah. Yeah, the Minko one hurt. Those would have been plays that would have given us momentum, uh, and we were killing. We were shooting our momentum in the foot the entire game. If we went, if we started getting twelve yard, uh, ten yard, twelve yard, eight yard gains, we'd follow that up with a holding call. It was bad. So there was that, and then something that we've been complaining a lot about this year, Kiffin. Specifically, I think he called a little bit better of a game as we go to week to week, except for one thing, and this is the third thing that drove me nuts: situational play calling. I mean. We, my least favorite call of the game, and there were a couple things like this, but my least favorite one, we were third and six or third and four from about the 10-yard line, and we could have gotten a first down on that. Um, instead of either A, pinning it off, or B, just throwing a throw that we've seen as a high-completion throw, we throw a fade to Mullaney, who has not caught a pass like that all year. Yeah. Speaking of which, Ridley and Stewart both caught fades earlier in the game and later in the game, but... In the red zone, why are we throwing a fade to Mullaney, our slot yeah. receiver, that has yeah. not shown that he can do that? What kind of a play call was that? And that was a designed throw to him. That wasn't like, hey, everything's breaking down. I'm going to throw it up. That was where the ball was supposed to be. Why did we do that? That was yeah. – aw- and I, then we I, did it again. No. We threw the – Um. it was another time in the red zone. I'm sorry to keep going, but – no, we you're good. almost lost that game 14-13 because we settled for two field goals in the red zone. The other third down, we were on about the four five-yard line. It was a third and medium, and we threw the pick-pass play that the Seahawks lost the Super Bowl on. Yep. We had Derrick Henry. He was getting chunks in that drive. I know he got stopped on that second down. He was down, getting but... chunks the whole game.
0: That's what I don't understand with this play calling. Derrick Henry will pull off nine, 10, 11-yard chunks. For three or four, you know, every three or four carries, and then the carries say he's not doing that, and he's at least getting positive yardage. Yeah, so he got stopped, stopped on the second the down, and then they decide
1: it won't work, and let's exactly. throw a terrible and pick it's pass. Just,
0: it's just, oh, well, we won't run it anymore because it didn't work that one time. If that were the rule with everything with Lane Kiffin, A, he wouldn't have any more plays to play in the playbook, and B, the damn jet sweep that we decided to run every week would be obsolete. Sorry. Uh, no, I agree.
1: It's your time, situational but... play calling that that's the reason that we – Settled for yeah. field goals twice and in, and in, inside the ten yard line. It was it was that was my biggest disappointment. I was livid. I was livid watching it. And then we had some other bad ones, but those are the two that really stuck out to me because those those could have been touchdown drives.
0: Yep. Yeah. All right. What was I agree. yours?
1: What was uh, your biggest disappointment?
0: The offensive line is a big disappointment for me. Um, I, I don't I don't know what's going. On. I don't know if it's coaching. I don't know if it's injuries or what. But it, it seems like we were a much more put together offensive line uh the first couple of games of the season i don't really know when it happened maybe they got spooked during the old miss game because that was a great defensive line a great font seven uh you know but i feel like cam robinson gets beat every other play uh i know that ryan kelly um you know his injury and that that sort of status we don't really know jackson's and that gonna would beat be- a lot too Jackson was getting beat a lot. I mean, it's just – it happens, and I get that. But it happened way, way too much, and that's something that must, must get figured out in this bye week. The numbers were five
1: sacks and a lot more hurries.
0: Yes, yes. I I feel bad, and it's not like Coker is Blake Sims who can get it outside of the pocket and run a 40-yard dash in 4.5. I mean, he's he's not slow. Coker's not slow by no, any. And game.
1: he made it back to line of scrimmage on on maybe two of those, but it, it was well. And he's got. He, he was running for his ball, life, too. and he he yeah, needed to be throwing the ball away ball. too,
0: but he's got to start throwing those away because that's that's not how you win football games. Um, but, you, know, you know, speaking so, that on that, that accord, I want I want yeah, to say something, ahead.
1: and this was one of the graphics that they showed on CBS. Kudos to them on this one, but we came into the game with uh, tied for twelfth in the nation and negative plays. I think we had like fifty-eight and oh we're we're better than, I mean we're far f- much farther up than twelfth now with what we just did,
0: yeah, I mean, yeah. negative plays no, are I killing mean, us, yeah,
1: they really are they really
0: are it's just there's a lot like that right now that uh that really needs to get figured out, you know the the offensive line i don't
1: how I, many times I, is Kenyon Drake you know, gonna get hit in the backfield?
0: part of that I think is Kenyon Drake's fault
1: not following the play I, but when He's under- hit in less than a second, and he doesn't even have time to make a move, some of them might be if he's dancing, but three plays. I remember he was not dancing. He would just, yeah, no, because no, 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 I'm not, right I'm not through. saying that,
0: you know, it's, I, I just, I don't know. When you look at the statistics of it, Derrick Henry is getting positive yards or at least back to the line of scrimmage, even on the bust plays. Okay. And I, you know, I think that Derrick Henry sort of feeling, or excuse me, Kenyon Drake is sort of feeling this pressure of, I've got all these great running backs behind me. I've really got to make this year my year. And therefore he's trying to break off these 10, 11, 12 yard plays every single time he touches the ball. Uh, And it's just not happening. Now, when he follows the holes and he gets six or seven yards, that's what we need him to do right now, just like we needed Eddie Lacy to do in 2011 uh, when Trent Richardson was the guy. You know, if you want the starting job, you've got to play that backup role at Alabama. And I think that's something that Kenyon Drake's got to learn uh, sort of the hard way for the rest of the season. Um, Now, let me ask you a question.
1: Henry might leave, and, and if Henry leaves and Drake's sitting there, but he's got Scarborough and he's got Harris behind him.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I I think that the only way he doesn't win the job is if he keeps playing the way he's playing. And I know that sounds dumb, but he's I'm just. I'm saying even... it now. I think it's Scarborough next year. I I don't. I don't think that Scarborough has the football IQ of Kenyon Drake. Uh, that's just me. Maybe that I I'm just going off a hunch. I haven't seen anything about that. But uh, Kenyon Drake is a very smart football player. He gets the offense. He gets along well with the offense uh, and the coaching staffs really seems to have taken a liking to him, but you know, what, what, what are you going to do? Okay. Let me ask you a question. Uh, This was presented to me after Alabama's game uh, by a Tennessee fan that I am in contact with. Uh, One of the better ones. I I like this guy a lot. He's a cool dude. Um, Coker or Dobbs. You got to pick one to lead your team down the field in the national championship game.
1: Who do you take right now? Go. Ooh, it's neck and neck. And we talked about this a little bit before it, I guess for conversation's sake and just to be a little bit different. Now I know Coker. I want to say Coker played other than uh, the fact that Dobbs had a touchdown throw. Coker only threw six incompletions and Dobbs had nine Um, similar, similar stat lines, except Coker had more yards. I would actually say Dobbs just because I think he would fit the offense on what the offense wants to be. More. Um, they yeah. use his legs more. I think he would fit the mold of what Blake Sims meant to us last year in that regard. Mm-hmm. But also, I was actually impressed by Dobbs against us more than I was against. I mean, we just got off of watching Kyle Allen lay an egg against us against this defense yeah. at home. Yeah. Uh, and Dobbs Boy, kept that. his team oh. in the game for yeah. uh, the entire game until he got sacked right there at the end. So. And then Coker Uh has been up and down where Dobbs has been just up since the early games. I know Tennessee's lost four games, but all of them have been by seven points or less. So I would say Dobbs just for conversation's sake. I think he's a better athlete, and I think he'll be a better quarterback um, in the future.
0: Yeah. Uh, You know, I think that right now, mechanics-wise, I think that I'd give the nod to Coker. I think if I'm looking at confidence, I'm, I'm looking at Dobbs. You know, Dobbs looked very confident and, you know, his athletic ability is impressive. Um, You know, but at the same, on the same accord, you know, you look at who he's got. He's got, you know, Jalen Hurts taking a lot of that load off of him. Um, You know, it's just, I don't know. I don't know. I think that that Tennessee team is very, very odd because I feel like they had so much promise going in to the season. Now they're sitting on a three and four record, one and three in the conference. Ew. you know it's it's just tough but even with all of that josh Dobbs's you know confidence level i still feel like is a little bit higher than jake coker's just because i feel like coker is feeling a lot of pressure yeah josh dobbs can go out there and he's like okay it's a three and four team They're, they can't be expecting too much of me at this point whereas coker is like if we lose again and it's my fault these people are never going to respect me or remember me or my legacy or you know what I did against Texas A&M, what I did against Georgia, you know, so he's got a lot of pressure. So I don't know. I feel like it's a toss-up. I would take Jake Coker just because, you know, like I said last week, he's Mad Max, dude. (laughs) The the kid's crazy, man. The kid's crazy and he's going to do what it takes to win.
1: One thing Uh, to say about Jacob Coker, and this was a comment I saw, I think it was on Reddit and now this is what I'm going to always think of Coker, is that when he talks, and I want you guys to go back and listen to his post-game interview <laughs> on ESPN, I he sounds like a him. 40-year-old Elvis impersonator. And it's true. <laughs> I saw it today, and he sounds like an Elvis he impersonator. Does.
0: He does. And someone said that on Twitter. I was like, oh, that's not, that's mean. You know, people picking on Jake like that, that's mean. They shouldn't, oh, my God, they're right. I mean, it was just, it was, it's so perfect. It's so per. I hope he hears that and embraces it. I I'm calling Elvis from now on. Yeah, I still like Mad Max just because I mean honestly every time I say that I think of the run against Texas A&M where he got hit like six times he's like nope I'm still good don't worry about me I'm gonna keep going don't worry I mean the dude's crazy there's no question that he's not a great I mean he's a good quarterback I don't think he's great you know great competitor but kids got a lot of heart yeah yeah all right let's move on a little bit uh where do we stand on Kiffin, Patrick? You know, I feel like every week we come in here, we, we rip his play calling apart, but we're winning football games. Uh, and the one football game we lost, can we really blame it on Kiffin? Because there were a lot of turnovers that game, you know? So where do you stand on Lane Kiffin right now?
1: Well, I don't think this game was one of his stronger games. I haven't, se- I haven't said, like, hey, let's get rid of Kiffin, or hey, let's hope that Kiffin takes the head coach job as much as as you have, uh, and that I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with you feeling that way, but...
0: I stand by it.
1: You're fine. <laughs> uh, this game specifically, when Henry only had nine carries in the first half and Coker was running for his life, I don't know why we kept running, throwing the ball on first down because then we get to second 18, we had to throw the ball, and this happened a couple times. And yeah. then, like I said, the situational play calling was the his lowest point. I mean, we won, but this was the worst that it's gotten so far since since I've uh, been watching his play calling here at Alabama. I think Kiffin is trying to do too much, and he gets away from playing to our strengths way too often. Yep, Our strength is not our Darius Stewart carrying the ball, getting the toss eight yards in the backfield, or getting the jet sweep pass. Our strength is not our wide receivers running the ball because we have a Heisman candidate and derrick henry where if you yep. give him the ball straight up the middle he's a lock for a no gain and usually gets about four five six yards yep. a lot of times he breaks it open
0: yeah the longest we've carries, seen this 143 week, yards and two touchdowns and you're going to give the ball off to a freshman in calvin ridley or our darius stewart or you know forgot I mean, for all for we four, know four, richard mulaney yards. because we decided it was a great idea to throw the fade to him like you mentioned which i don't understand
1: worst play call of the year uh yeah all right well i know that you i don't know i i know that you are ready for a change at do we like do i even have to go into this no because we do it every week but now there's actually people talking about kiffin going to miami okay or cristobal
0: i you know i don't what okay uh i don't (laughs) he's from miami (laughs) yeah no i i know that but uh you know patrick i think about it and People always tell me I'm too hard on Kiffin. You know, I'll I'll text family members, my old roommates, my friends. And they're like, why are you so upset about Kiffin? It it doesn't make sense. You're winning games. Okay, last season you went into the college football playoff as the one seed. And Patrick, I think you brought it up in the best way that I've heard so far. Uh, He doesn't understand strengths. He wants to run the offense that he wants to run regardless of whether or not it's actually good for the team he He wants wants,
1: yeah he wants that like he's so used to having Marquis lee or amari cooper that he wants to focus on that one receiver when dude he's a freshman we can we got other dudes that have been here we can rely on them and then use him on the outside yeah (sighs) i you know
0: i it's tough for me it really is because He's winning. I mean, we're winning games. But then I, I look over and, I, like, I'm, it's like when you're in elementary school and you look over at the other kids' lunches and you're like, oh, man. I mean, this never happened to me because I had awesome lunches in elementary school. But, you know, you see the kids, like, look over and they're like, oh, man, you know, he got chocolate pudding in his lunch or he got a lunchable. You know, I'm looking over at LSU and Cam Cameron throwing in a fullback every third or fourth play to let their running back – get a ton of yards and i'm jealous i'm so jealous because we have people back there who want to bulldoze for derrick henry who want to go in there and block for him but yet we want to go in the shotgun and even if we run it we want to go in the shotgun from third and goal at the two you're Here, hiking the... the ball three yards backwards to get two yards you're, you're adding three yards to what should be a two-yard run and like you said derrick henry is almost a guaranteed lock to get back to the line of scrimmage every play. And, Patrick, when he gets tackled, the dude falls at least a yard forward.
1: And that's what he has over uh, almost every other running back we've had the last few years. Okay, here's the plays that don't work. Jet sweep pass, toss, whatever we want to call that. It's the jet sweep, but it ends up being a pass. We're done with that. Please let that be done. We say it every week. The pistol, when we run out of the pistol to Kenyon Drake, never works. He gets hit in the backfield no matter whose fault it is. It just has not worked. Yep. Um. you got to give it to him in space, but not this one. The swing pass that we always seem to run on, like second and long or third and long or third down with him, where we swing it out to Drake, Coker always throws it behind him instead of in front of him, so he has no momentum going forward. I don't know how many times I can see Coker miss that throw, and I don't know how many times I can see that go for a loss of two or no gain. Stop doing it. It's not working. Those are the three plays that they're killing us, and we do it but, so many times. I yeah. can't tell you how many times we've opened the game with a – swing pass to Drake or a swing pass to Ridley or Cooper or whoever we've had in the past. We do it yeah. all the time and it's like, it's, I don't know. The the, the
0: plays the play. that do
1: work 80% of the time is anything that goes to Henry. 80% yeah. of the time. Why have we yeah. not seen Henry catching screens this year, by the way?
0: That's a good point. Uh, because we don't run from under center and that that screen to Henry doesn't really work if you throw it out of the shotgun or pistol.
1: It can. Uh, I don't, I don't thing, see why it couldn't.
0: The thing that makes me frustrated is these plays that take you know five seconds to develop and then you've got one receiver you have one option as a quarterback as to where to throw it I I can't stand those plays I'm tired of those plays also being on third down when it's third and eight and we're running a pass pattern that is to one person there's one option and he's he's running a four yard pass pattern I, I don't understand it I, I just don't get
1: it. So he runs four yeah. yards and we need seven. What? I
0: am I am ready for Kiffin to leave. I'm ready to get somebody in there well, you might get who understands, wish. you know, hey, we've got this great stable of running backs and yeah, you might pop his hard. I don't you know what, Patrick, honestly, LSU a couple weeks. I, I really hope that Jake Coker plays a career game, but I hope he doesn't have to. And I hope that we learn that it's okay to go three and out running the ball three times. I'm okay with that. And I know that, you know, we joke every week about me being someone who likes running the ball way too much. And I love throwing the ball and I love, you know, I really love our receiving core. I'm starting to like Coker a lot more and his confidence level, but it just doesn't make sense to me how you can look at our stable of running backs and not run the ball more. Uh, I think we've said everything we can say in this conversation. I want him gone. You're still a little bit on the fence, but it sounds like you're ready for him to leave or change his play calling, which I don't think is going to happen. Let's move on. Uh, what needs to be fixed in the bye week to prepare us for not only LSU week but the rest of the season? Patrick, go.
1: I think I, I now I think we're kind of contradicting ourselves uh, because we do keep saying to feed the ball to Henry. But I think, and I'm gonna I have to explain myself when I say this. I think we need to find someone else on the team to rely on other than Henry and Ridley, um, and we saw a glimpse of that when we this past week, Stewart and OJ Howard both had good games. Melanie didn't do much of anything and Drake didn't do anything either. But um, if we are going to not give the ball to Henry, we need to be able to spread the ball out more to someone other than Ridley. Uh, he's not Marquis Lee yet. He's not Amari Cooper yet. He's a good player and he's not great yet, but I don't yeah. want us to rely on him like he is Amari Cooper as a senior. Why why yeah. is it why is this the first time we've seen Ardarius Stewart do anything? Sure, some of it's been to his play, but we also haven't called too many play calls for him outside of the Wisconsin game.
0: No, um, and if you ask me, he was the most clutch player on Saturday.
1: He was awesome. He he was he had the catch that that that, that they talked about overturning, but I think it was a catch the full way. He had a couple. He had the one that had set up ended up setting up a field goal, but he had two dudes on him and he jumped backwards right onto his back and brought it down. Uh, yeah. Why are we just now utilizing OJ Howard? I think we've been saying that for three years, though. Um, Kenyon Drake needs to get plays called more to his play style, not stuff that keeps getting him hit in the backfield because he's not going to break those and get back to the line of scrimmage. Why are
0: we not running Kenyon Drake outside more?
1: I feel like when we do, it just gets brought back inside. I don't know what the problem is there. I'll, I'll go back and watch I think, more of the tape I think, on him. But...
0: I think it's Kenyon Drake not following the play. I think he doesn't trust that the play is going to develop. And he's going to get hit at the line of scrimmage, and then he's going to get pulled out for getting hit at the line of scrimmage. But I think if he followed the play, he would start to understand that, oh, I'm getting you know four or five yards, and that's all this team needs from me
1: right now. Okay, um, I guess the point – I guess my – the way I want to describe this is looking at last year and comparing it to this year. Uh, we can't rely on, one, just our running back, and then every time we throw the ball rely on Ridley because you'll see – He's not Amari Cooper, and last year it worked for Cooper. But when it didn't work, when we couldn't hit Cooper every play, we lost twice. When we when Cooper had his two worst games because he's not Jerry Rice. He's not going to get 10 catches every week. You can't ask that out of a college receiver. So Ole Miss and then especially Ohio State, when we couldn't force the ball to Cooper. We couldn't do anything. And so I'm afraid that if we start turning Ridley into that guy, once we start playing LSU, once we start playing, and what would we would hope to be an AC not ACC, SEC championship, or we're in a playoff game or bowl game. Once we start playing these tougher teams, if they're able to key in on Ridley and we can't get the ball to Stewart and we can't get the ball to Mullaney or any of our other receivers that have not even really caught passes this year, where's Cam Sims been, everyone? Where's Chris Black on? Come on, someone step up contribute yeah. that's what i'm trying to say that's what i want yeah. to see implemented in the bye week
0: yeah i think Millaney was a nice surprise but i don't think that a slot receiver slash tight end i don't really know what Millaney is anymore
1: well that's uh, what chris black was supposed to be he's caught like what one pass two passes this year where well, is yeah. he
0: yeah he dropped three of his first five targets i just blatantly dropped him i mean it wasn't even close so i just you know i i feel bad for chris black because i feel like he caught a bunch of I, breaks. I feel like he was kinda of like the D heart of this sort of era. Uh because D Hart had a lot of injuries, Chris Black has had a lot of injuries and they both just kinda of never really got a chance to really show themselves. Uh you know, and I I, I just you know, I don't know, Patrick, I, I don't know who that guy's gonna be, but that sorta of gets into my point about what needs to get fixed and that's just I, I have written down coaching staff consistency. I'm gonna change that to just consistency in general there's just got to be some sort of bottom line, this is who this team is. This is our MO. And we, we don't really have one. I feel like this team doesn't really have an attitude, doesn't really have an identity uh, on offense. On defense, I think the defensive identity. Trevor yeah, Maddich. Notice we
1: haven't talked much about defense today.
0: Yeah, I mean, Trevor Maddich talked about Alabama's defense being an anaconda, made a great uh, sort of relation to Alabama's defense being an anaconda a couple weeks ago, just saying, you know, Uh, they'll tighten their grip on you till you decide you don't want to breathe anymore. That's true, because that happened this past game too. Bend
1: but don't break. I was impressed with them. Not their best game, but they were good.
0: Yeah, yeah, and they've got to be tired. That's another thing we should mention. This has been a long season so far. Uh, Patrick, it feels like forever ago uh, since we had episode one, and we were talking about where this team was going to go and whether or not it was going to be Alec Morris, starting quarterback. I mean, it feels like (laughs) forever ago. You know, and that's not knocking Alec Morris. By the way, I, I still think he didn't really get a fair shot, but I don't think there needed to be a fair shot for him because Coker earned it. But you know, I, I Patrick, I'm I'm just I'm, I'm worried there's not uh, an identity on this offense. Um, I think that stems with the coaching staff, but I've already gotten into that. We're not going to get into it again. Uh, Patrick, who do you think is injured that we're reporting, and who do you think is actually injured that we're not reporting?
1: Uh, I know that there's a lot of focus on Eddie Jackson leaving the game early with his ankle, but I yeah. think that from what I've heard, that should be something that that can be nursed up during the bye week. It would yeah, be huge him. if we didn't get to have him back there because he's been yeah uh, one of our top three guys on defense this year. But
0: um, oh, he's a, he's a quarterback of the defense. Yeah, he's I been, mean he's been awesome. He's you know, been, especially we move backs. in that we move in that nickel package and everybody's looking at Eddie when we call an audible. You know, I mean it's just. Um, you know, when you've got Reggie Raglan listening to listening to you on defense, you know, you're doing the right thing. You know, um, I think Eddie's going to be fine. He came back into the game towards the end of the game. Um, I know that was frustrating for him, but, uh, I'm glad that he looks to be okay. Uh, Cam Robinson is a guy that, um, a lot of people saying he hurt his leg. I don't, I hope it's that. I hope it's not this is who he is now, because um, then you got to blame it on Cristobal or the coaching staff or something, because he was supposed to be a freak. Uh, he was supposed to be someone who came in and just dominated every single play. I've seen him dominate like two plays this season, uh, and it's that's a little uh, and most of those or both of those I should say were in the Wisconsin game, the very yeah. first game of the season. Yeah. So that's a little frustrating. Another one, Patrick, uh, Derrick Henry. Uh, there was a mention of him having a stinger. In the first quarter, the Texas A&M game, having a, a his back was giving him trouble or something. Um, we ha, we didn't really hear anything from that uh, camp after that little blip was said. So I this think they
1: is kind the of went away then. from him.
0: <laughs> yes, this is speculation, but I, he just hasn't really been himself. Now he had a couple uh, great runs the other night. His longest run was twenty yards. But I feel like he's taking more breaks on offense and that may be play calling, but I feel like he's taking more breaks and he's just not really been himself uh, since the first uh, quarter and a half of that Texas A&M game.
1: Yeah, he hasn't broken up the long runs that we're used to seeing. I want to update. Eddie Jackson was a sprained knee, not a sprained ankle. Sprained
0: Um, knee. Okay. actually, Saban
1: gave it a little bit of an update. Eddie Jackson sprained knee. He did come back after halftime, so I think he'll be fine. Ronnie Harrison um, and Dominic Jackson both sprained their ankles and they didn't come back. So those are the two also two to look at.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, You know, and Dominic Jackson obviously got hurt on Derrick Henry's touchdown run that,
1: um, you know,
0: sealed the game. Uh, One more thing that I want to talk about before we move on that we've kind of uh, forgotten to talk about, uh, the fumble last play uh, for Tennessee on offense. Uh, Great pass rush. Dobbs drops back a little bit too far, in my opinion. Kind of outstretched his pocket. Uh, Great hit, not only to get a good hit and make sure that a speedy, elusive quarterback like Dobbs goes down, but uh, to also have the wherewithal to try and knock the ball loose. Um, So really, really great play there. Uh, I was at work and was trying to keep my composure, and that was the one play of the game where I I really couldn't. And so everybody got to see a uh, side of me that I had anticipating hiding for quite some time. Not out of shame, but just out of sheer uh, professionalism. So if you work with me and you heard me start yelling like a fourth-grade girl, uh, I'm sorry about that. But, you know... uh, My
1: work knows. My work saw me during the 2014 NBA Finals, so they know.
0: (laughs) Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Uh, Yeah, for those of you who don't know, Patrick's a huge Spurs fan. Um, That will be later. Like we said, Alabama offseason, we're planning on uh, going full-on other sports in this podcast. All right, Patrick, let's move on a little bit. We're done with Alabama uh, for the rest of this episode um, because they've got a bye week. We don't want to talk about the LSU game right now. We'll talk about that next week um, and really, really dissect it and dive into it. Uh, I believe, was that Duncan who just made an appearance on the podcast, Patrick? That that would be my wife making an appearance on the podcast. (laughs) Your wife sounds like a dog who's gotten his tail pulled. Uh, is is she okay? Is, is Lane okay?
1: She's fine. We have a we have a turtle that we were we were, we had in a in a bowl and uh, it made a sound at her and she jumped. <laughs> oh
0: my god! Well, welcome to Pat's interference, everyone. This is episode nine. Uh, okay, let's move on. Let's get into around the NCAA. Uh, we're gonna go back two weeks, Patrick, because we kind of didn't we ran out of time before we had to talk about this game, the Michigan Michigan State game. The last play of the game, if you haven't seen it, uh, I want to know where you've been because it's been everywhere. But uh, Michigan is up by whatever it was, three or four points, I believe. Um, fourth in about six or seven with 10 seconds left, they elect to punt. Uh, punter sort of muffs the snap, tries to pick it up and do like a taekwondo kick. kick. Yeah. Spin kick. The roundhouse the football out of the atmosphere drops it michigan state returns it for a touchdown and wins the ball game uh wow um <laughs> was, you know it was college, awesome. I, I tell people this all the time who don't watch college football college football is so crazy to me because i don't think you'd see something like that in the nfl uh especially in a rivalry game i i mean rivalry games as we've seen this past week because i think this alabama team should have beaten tennessee by three touchdowns but we didn't uh, and I think that Michigan should have won that game, but they didn't. And I think if Michigan is playing, you know, I don't know, Rutgers, uh, Penn State, Purdue, I don't None think that that happens. same situation happens.
1: None uh, of that happens because you're caught up in the emotion. It was awesome. I mean, we were watching yeah. the Alabama A&M game in, in a bar in Mobile. Great bar, by the way. Uh, uh, Luda Beer Garden, I think it was called. If anyone's ever in Mobile, check that place out. Luda Beer Garden. It had, a, they okay. had It was awesome. But anyway. And then uh, they immediately switched one of the games over to the Michigan-Michigan State game because it was so close. And, I mean, right as they switched it, 20 seconds and the whole bar could not believe it. Like, it, the whole – everybody was done talking. And it was mostly Alabama fans because this is immobile. Everybody was done talking about the A&M game and everybody was talking about what they just saw on the TV. It was fantastic.
0: Yeah. Yeah, they, It was that was a wild finish to a wild game. Another wild finish,
1: Georgia Tech and Florida State. Uh, Patrick, what happened there? (laughs) Well, it was kind of the other side of the same coin, um, which we, I was working this weekend at the station and watching the Alabama game. And then our, our, uh, sports girl was watching this game on her phone and Roberto Aguayo, who's been the best kicker in the nation for the last two years. Plus was kicking a 58 yard field goal, which is well in his uh, range at which he's shown in the past. But he kicked it too low. Georgia Tech blocks it. Uh, And then they return that thing 78 yards for the touchdown, which I've said before, i followed FSU in the past. I was laughing. I was laughing. I loved it. I actually was kind of happy that it happened, which people might think, hey, it's weird. You root for FSU. I will say this about FSU. Uh, They don't affect me emotionally like Alabama does anymore. I saw FSU win their national championship, win their Heisman. They beat Auburn. That closed the book. I can stop worrying – I'm at peace. I'm at peace with them. and I'm at peace with the San Antonio Spurs. They're, you know, they've re- you know Alabama. I will always care about in the way that I do. But man, the, okay, now was, I guess I was wrong on the rule. But I thought, and maybe this is the NFL. But I thought if you block a kick, if you can only return it if you block it behind the line of scrimmage. I guess that's different in college. As long as I no believe, no matter where the kick goes, you in... can return it. I believe it's different in
0: college, and I believe there's also a rule that the offensive team can advance the ball after a block.
1: Uh, well, either I, I, way, I mean, I would think if it— I'm not positive they, on they that. Wouldn't have, but... they, I, I've heard nobody claim that it was against the rules. So maybe that's the NFL, or maybe they've changed the rule in the last few years. But I was at one point, I was pretty sure that you can only return a blocked field goal in, in one of the leagues if it is blocked— Backwards, like the dude hits it yeah. and it goes backwards. But it was an awesome play. Great finish. The camera angle is yeah. great. The radio call, if you haven't heard it from the Georgia Tech The radio call is awesome. Legendary. Legendary.
0: The, the radio call is awesome. I was having my victory cigar uh, after the Tennessee game while that was going on, so I actually missed it. Uh, the TV broadcast is pretty great, too, considering the fact that it includes the line, quote, What a time, what a to, time to be alive. To be alive. <laughs> which was, be alive. Which was – Impressive, not wrong, just not oh, he's right, not what I was expecting to hear uh out of that broadcast, but yeah, what no a time would, to be
1: alive. I can, can get on the funny. internet and I can order lucky charms, charms in a big bulk bag. <laughs> what a time to be alive.
0: what a time to be alive, okay, let's move on the u s c Utah game, uh Patrick you and I both called this we didn't think Utah was for real, their big wins were not actually big wins uh. And USC slaughtered him. Uh there was at one point in the game, uh one of USC's receivers, I don't really remember who it was, his first name's uh Juju, uh pointed, got a little screen pass, was running down the field, pointed at a Utah defensive back and motioned for him to come towards him, like enticing him. I mean they're both running at full speed, stiff arms him so hard that he throws him about five yards out of bounds and then runs for five more yards before he gets hit out of bounds himself. Uh so I don't think that USC had any confidence issues going into this game. Uh, I think we had a lot of questions answered about the strength of the Pac-12 in that game and sort of uh, the strength of Utah and maybe the overhype of Utah. Um, so th- that was my interpretation of that game. Patrick, what did you see from USC-Utah?
1: Uh, that one was when I was really in crunch time at work, but we were watching it pretty closely at the same time while eating our uh, Chipotle Mexican grill. Um... It wasn't close. I mean, from beginning to end, it was never. It, it was. It didn't even get to a point where the the ending was going to be in question. Um, I called it. You called. I actually thought Utah was going to lose the week before to to Arizona State, and they almost did. Utah kind of reminds me of what South Florida was in 2007, that crazy year where uh, South Florida and Rutgers and all these teams that really weren't. Um, <laughs> I don't know, contenders got all the way up there and people were talking yeah. about them like they were for real. Uh, yeah. Kind of like, no. Yeah, I would say South Florida-like. I, I don't think they're going to lose a ton more games because there's not much left on their schedule. Yeah, but I agree. But I-, I think they were pretenders from the get-go. Yeah. I think USC kind of proved that.
0: Yeah. Uh, okay, let's get into uh, – let's, let's make some predictions. Let's make some predictions. Uh, we're going to play a game called Will They Remain Undefeated, which is where we guess – If they will remain undefeated. Uh, Patrick, I'm going to give you – we're going to do – does it smell like someone's burning, by the way? Patrick, does it smell like something's burning or maybe someone's overheated? Uh, Yeah, it actually does. We got some hot takes. Hot takes are hot. All right, here we go. Uh, Patrick, Ohio State, do they stay
1: undefeated? Yes or no? Why or why not? Yes, they do. They're the best team in the country, and now they've figured out their quarterback situation. Next one.
0: Okay, I'm going to take Baylor – Baylor, do they stay undefeated? No, 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 no. You have your starting quarterback break his neck, and he's having season-ending surgery tomorrow? Ooh. Bad situation. Bad, bad situation. Tough conference to get out of, especially with TCU, who we'll talk about a little bit later in this hot take, Patrick. Hot takes on Clemson.
1: Do they stay undefeated? (laughs) I would have said no, but uh, judging – and I picked them in my final four, so I'm going to keep bragging, and I hope they do make it so that I can be right. Uh, they just beat Miami 58 nothing in Miami, and the only game left on their schedule that scares me is Florida State, and Florida State just laid an egg against Georgia Tech. I think Clemson goes undefeated. I think they're in the playoff, and I think this is where their quarterback, Deshaun Watson, starts putting himself in the Heisman conversation. I think this is, though, a running back's year. Next team.
0: Uh, yeah, I'm going to take LSU. I do not think LSU stays undefeated. I think and why is
1: that? Suffer a loss at the
0: hands of Nick Saban yet again uh for the second third fourth year in a row that can't be right I think it is I think fourth year in a row they lose to Saban Ooh, I think it's gonna be a close game but I've got to take Mad Max and Derrick Henry I think that with a week off if you give Saban two weeks to prepare for anybody he's gonna beat you he's proved it in the past Patrick does TCU stay undefeated
1: of course not because I don't want them to uh, Fair enough They've got, I, they've got some tough teams left look, West Virginia, Oklahoma yeah. State, and Oklahoma And Baylor, they got four tough games and I think they don't make it unscathed through all of those
0: Yeah, no, I, I agree I think they beat Baylor, but they drop one of those Maybe to Oklahoma or Oklahoma State uh, I'm going to take Michigan State Right now, do they go undefeated? Oh, no, I don't think so I think they lose one, maybe To a little team Called the Ohio State Buckeyes uh, I just don't really I think see you're right them there. Uh, Now, I will put an asterisk because I don't think Ohio State goes undefeated, even though you said so, my friend. I think Ohio State has a tough back-to-back schedule at the end of the season with Michigan and Michigan State. That's my hot take for Michigan State. Patrick, Iowa, the Hawkeyes,
1: do they stay undefeated? Iowa's tough. They got Indiana and Purdue and Nebraska left. Those are really what sticks out on their schedule. Uh, But I don't know. Um, They haven't killed teams. They haven't. I don't think they go undefeated just because this is college football and it's hard for a team like Iowa to do it. So I'm going to say no. College football is nuts, everyone.
0: Yeah, college football is nuts. Uh, Oklahoma State, obviously tragic news out of there Uh, this past weekend. um, If you haven't heard, there was a crash, an accident, a DUI involved uh, at the Oklahoma State homecoming parade. It really makes Um, me mad, actually. Yeah, several people injured, several— Uh, A handful of people have passed away. Um, Really, really infuriating news. We won't get too much into that, but please keep your thoughts and prayers with those uh, at Oklahoma State. Now, whether or not they go undefeated, uh, I don't think so, Patrick. I don't think so. Patrick, what about Memphis? Does Memphis go undefeated after knocking off Ole Miss two weeks ago? Yes, they do, but we don't love them. They don't make the playoff next team. Ooh, tough. I've got the same answer for Houston. Houston doesn't really play anybody the rest of the season, and they've got gunslingers on gunslingers, but Houston does not make the college football playoff despite going undefeated. Patrick, what about Philip E. ex-Alabama quarterback, transferred to Toledo? Does Toledo go undefeated, Patrick? No. Good stuff. Temple, no, they don't go undefeated either. Uh, I think they lose they got Notre
1: somewhere. Dame. They got Notre Dame this weekend. Stop talking. Hot takes are over. hot take out of the oven they're cold takes now
0: all right let's go on to the game of the week patrick who is your game of the week this week alabama's got to buy it'll be halloween you can pass out candy to the kiddos you can go out on the town with your wife uh who is apparently easily startled so maybe don't do that on halloween uh patrick what is your game of the week what are you looking forward to seeing on saturday since alabama is not playing
1: uh, the game that I'll be watching most closely is Auburn versus Ole Miss because Auburn, they're not – I mean, they lost to Arkansas, which we haven't even mentioned yet, so one quick. <laughs> <laughs> Auburn <laughs> to, uh four overtimes. So oh, okay, man. I just had to throw that in there. Sorry. Um, Sorry. But, hey, I'm rooting for Auburn this week. I know that a yeah. lot of Alabama fans would say that I'm terrible for that, but if it helps my team, well, then it helps my team. The Alabama
0: fans that are saying that don't really root for Alabama because that's a smart move. Uh, Their
1: offense is better. Their defense is still a dumpster fire. I have no idea who is even on that defense that's worth anything anymore. Carl Lawson, I think he got hurt. All the dudes they talked about haven't done anything. But you never know. Auburn can stun the world, and I hope that if they're going to do something this year, it better be now, right now, right stinking Saturday.
0: Yep, I agree. I agree. Uh, My game of the week, uh, Patrick, this game is always a weird one. Uh, Someone always plays spoiler I could see that happening Saturday. Maybe, maybe Georgia beats Florida in the big old cocktail party. Oh, remember, remember if not, year. if not, Florida clinches the SEC East, people. Watch out for that Florida team. Looks like they're starting to figure out a little bit here and there. Uh, they could really play a spoiler to somebody coming out of the SEC West. Um, all right, Patrick. That's it, man. 48 yeah, minutes oh, Thanks, ago.
1: everyone, for listening. I think episode this was a good episode. I yeah. liked it. Bye, yeah. week. Get yourself a nice uh, nice little relax. Don't yeah. have to worry about Alabama football. Yeah. Uh, check your heart. Do all that stuff. Get, get yeah. your mind right for LSU because we got a big game coming up in two sure. weeks, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Sure.
0: Thank you for listening. Social media again. Facebook, Pats Interference. Uh, Twitter, PI underscore podcast. PatsInterference.com is our website. Also on iTunes, episode nine. This is a close. We will talk about LSU next week. Everyone, thank you so much for listening.
1: And say are we, goodbye. We're uh, uh, oh
0: goodbye. Oh, Patrick, oh. Not quite yet. We're gonna do we something got one more thing. Good. We want to implement. Well, yes. Okay. So this is a new tradition. We both almost forgot about it. We are going to start doing something called Sound Off. Okay, which is something where we go way off the grid. Don't even talk about college football. Uh, I think we're going to keep it in the realm of sports. Patrick, go ahead and tell me
1: what your Sound Off is before we close. My first ever Sound Off. I'm so glad we're doing this. Uh, Miami Dolphins, man, 48 points put up. Oh, I loved it. I loved it. Dan Campbell's come in, replaced Joe Philbin. I'm a big Dolphins fan, if you guys don't know. And they looked like the worst team in the league after dropping their uh, game to the Jets in London. And then they fired Joe Philbin on the way back. They bring in Dan Campbell, who's never been a coordinator. He's been a tight end coach his whole career. That dude is a man. They've called – and when he played football, they called him uh, – Dan Talica for Metallica. He comes in, energizes the team. Joe Philbin was a, a paper bag, maybe maybe a plastic bag of a coach, and Dan Campbell's rallied the troops. Jarvis Landry looks like an All-Pro. Rashad Jones is an All-Pro, and they're uh, they're looking at three and three. They got a big game on Thursday against the Patriots. Should be good to watch. Sound
0: off. Here's mine. Uh, Patrick, you may know this about me. I'm a huge Nashville Predators fan. Uh, Nashville Predators have done something that they don't usually do in the offseason this year. Uh, didn't make a lot of moves. Didn't make a lot of moves. Signed a lot of the same guys. Kept their star goalie, Pecorine. Uh, signed a huge contract, $22.5 million for Matthias Ekholm. Great move there. He's a solid player. Wilson, Neal, uh, Smith, Thorsberg I mean, these guys, I'm not saying Western Conference Finals. I'm just saying I will be very, very happy if they get there. Everyone, this has been Sound Off. Thank you so much for listening to Episode 9. Sorry we kept you a little bit extra. Uh, Let us know what you thought. We love you. Thank you so much for listening. We love doing this. This is a great hobby for us. Roll Tide, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.